You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 79 with Kim Maravich. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys. So this is part two with Kim Maravich. So if you didn't listen to last week's, make sure you go back to mominspiredshow.com forward slash 78. Let's get back to the show. So I want to move on to inflammation. We all know that, you know, cancer loves inflammation. And so um, if you can reduce your inflammation in your body, I do feel like it's less likely for cancer to kind of make a home there. Um, Give us, you know, a couple items that you think are really inflammation, you know, boosting that um, if they can kind of reduce it, because I kind of have a feeling I know what you're going to say on one of them, and that might be really hard. Um, so <laughs> why don't you mention that? And then um, and then we'll go from there. Okay. So the primary food you want to avoid as much as you can is sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, sugar That's is the super, one that I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sugar is super inflammatory. And there have uh, like pretty much every type of cancer has been studied and sugar has contributed to that kind of cancer and lab studies. So it's one that, you know, in my book, I talk about, like, you don't even, it's, you don't even have to question it. It's just something yeah. that it is super inflammatory. It doesn't just cause diabetes. It causes a lot of, a lot of diseases. So, uh, you know, you can think of things that are sugary candy and cookies right. and sodas. Um, but you also have to look for hidden sugars, like in, you know, packaged and boxed foods, um, and also things just like, you know, if you're eating bread, there's high fructose, I know. Yes. a lot of breads mm-hmm. and you just might not think it might not actually taste sweet, but it does contain sugar. And then sometimes those, um, it, you know, refined foods, they break down into sugars in our bodies anyway. So you might be eating a cracker and there's not, you know, an ingredient of sugar in the cracker, but, it, but your body recognizes it as sugar. That's right. And right. it increases your insulin response, which is harmful to the body um, when, when you're having too many surges of insulin throughout the day. So sugar is a really, really big one. You just want to, I think the key is just to, if you can stay away from as many uh, boxed and, you know, bag products as possible. That's just good in general. And also oils. Um, so a lot of those products also have refined oils. And we, I talked earlier about some good oils, but oils you want to stay away from are things like soybean oil, canola oil, cottonseed oil, mm-hmm. uh, which cracks me up because cotton's not even a food. But in just yeah, that sounds disgusting. It, it does, <laughs> but it's in, it is in a lot of like bakery That's crazy. products. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you know corn oil. You just have oh, to yeah, be corn very oil. Careful. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what's hard is there's so many healthy food products, but when you look at the ingredients, there's so much canola oil in it. Like yes. you can't. Yeah. It's so hard no. to get around. It, like, it's very very hard. That's why they're. I mean. I think there are some companies that are coming out with better things, but you have to be a label reader. You really do. Because yeah. even if it contains like sweet potatoes, but it has, it's dousing, you know, canola oil yeah. heated, right. then that's damaged the, yeah. the anything good that was in it. Yeah. There so. are so many things that I get that it could be organic. I think Costco, I don't know what their um, hummus is now, like the little containers. I knew at the time, or Sabra, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it was made with canola oil and I thought, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like it's yeah. so hard yeah. to get around all of these things. And so, uh, you know, though, here's the deal being a mom, especially to young kids, I don't want moms walking away going, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, like 
okay, so then what am I going to eat? I'm going to eat nothing. Like the the oils are in everything. And my kids do want, you know, sugar at times. Am I just going to be that mom? What would you recommend to them? Like, so that they're not just feeling like that all or nothing and just feeling so defeated because it is going to, you are going to be consuming food with those oils. And it obviously, if you can avoid them, great. Mm -hmm. But what is your thoughts? Like, you know, navigating this world with sugar and the oil, especially with having kids. So I think it's, it's, it's more, again, what you're doing versus what you have to avoid. So I think one huge, huge, huge thing is to drink more water. And I know everyone's like, oh yeah, whatever. We've heard that before, but there have been studies that have shown that the increase or yes, the increase of water intake is inversely related to breast cancer. So the really? more water, yes, the, oh, the more wow. water you drink, the lesser your chance of developing breast cancer. And so basically what that means is just that water is helping not only to hydrate us, but it helps to flush out, use our body's own built-in detoxification systems to flush out those toxins. So um, it's not just about, you know, making sure you're hydrated, but it, and drink more water than you think. Um, you know, like probably more, more than 10 cups a day. And if you have coffee, you have to counterbalance that too and add Mm -hmm. more, add in more water. But that's, it's something I know it's hard to do, especially when you're busy and running around as a mom. But if that's one thing you can do is just to increase your water intake that helps. And one little tip I like to say is to, um, in a few of those glasses, you know, if possible, sprinkle some Himalayan sea salt in them. Himalayan sea salt is just filled with micronutrients. It has like 80 something micronutrients that we may be missing in our diet, but Mm -hmm. it also helps to hydrate us because sometimes you can actually be flushing um, your body too much. It's actually not hydrating your cells, but the adding that salt helps to actually hydrate your cells as well as to then flush out the toxins. So it's a little tip that I like to add. If you add a, you can add a little bit of sea salt, maybe a squirt of lemon to make it, you know, taste yummy. And the lemon has some Sure. You know, beneficial properties. Well, yeah, and it's stuff. alkalizing. So, right. yeah. So, so you just do a little bit of sea salt, um, Himalayan sea salt, yeah. and mm-hmm. and a couple cups of a day. So, I mean, that's an yeah. easy thing that you can do, yeah. no problem. Yeah. Um, right. Easy. That's perfect. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to uh, vitamins, supplements, yeah. and medications that um, well could either be hurting you or helping you prevent cancer. So, okay, um, go go for it. Okay. All right. So, you know, I have a whole list of, of supplements in my, in the book that could contribute to cancer prevention. Um, but I, I know that's hard and you know, I take fistfuls, but not everybody wants to do you know, that. How about so we pick, how about I, we pick three for okay, three everybody? Would be good. Yeah. I was going to say I have six in my book, but the three, okay. I would say if you're going to focus on three, one of them would be vitamin D, uh, and D3 in the form of D3. Um, most of us are deficient in it. You know, the best source is from sunlight, but most of us don't get enough sunlight throughout our lives. Um, so, and it's D3 is shown to be anti-angiogenic, which can also, again, stop, um, that blood vessel formation and tumors. So you want to be taking about at least 2000 IUs a day of that. Mm -hmm. Um, omega threes are something that, you know, you had mentioned when we were talking about the beef and beef Mm -hmm. does contain omega threes, but our, our standard American diet and like you said, we probably aren't going to be cutting out all the packaged foods. Sure. So mm-hmm. 
those our, our diet really is high in omega-6s, which are inflammatory. So we need to offset that with omega-3s. And if you're just eating the diet and not supplementing, you're probably getting like a 20 to 1 ratio of omega-6s to oh. o- omega-3s, which is not good. Right. So it should be closer to a 1 to 1 correspondence. So supplementing with omega-3s um, is very beneficial. Um so you can take anywhere up to like even 4,000 milligrams a day. You of omega-3? You can. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can take up to that uh, much. And it just depends on, you know, conditions too. If you're sick, you can even add more. But you want to look for uh, ones that like are third-party tested, just making sure that they're on the label. It'll say that. And that doesn't contain mercury because that's, mm. that's the oh, one thing right. to yeah. consider. <laughs> Some of them are, are Then you're very, like going backwards. It's like you're adding right. stuff that's to you. That's right. Yeah. And, um, you can also take an, I'm not sure how you say algal oil, which is made from algae, oh, um, you okay. know, especially if you're a vegan, because that comes from like the algae and it, and that, um, has been actually shown to be pretty much just as good as taking like a regular omega three, like fish oil. Okay. Um, so that's something you you can also do. Um, and then I guess I would add probiotics to that. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's because 70 to 80% of our immune system is actually housed in our gut and if we have gut issues, a leaky gut, sometimes you don't even know you have a leaky gut. You may have other things like joint pain or constant headaches and or fatigue. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, that could be actually the coming symptoms. from your gut. Right? Yeah. So if you're nourishing your gut with good probiotics, um, that is something that you can do that can help to boost your immunity as well. So that's the key too, though. Good, pri- pr- good probiotics. Mm-hmm. So here you have like so many choices, right? Everywhere. Um, how does somebody figure out if it's a good probiotic or not? It's a tricky one. I think you want to look for one that has several strands within it. So, um, ones to look for like bifidobacteria, lactobacillus. Um, I've been taking one recently. It's called prescript assist and you can get it off of Amazon. I don't have any affiliation with the company, but it's like a soil based one. Mm. And it has um, many strands of, um, bacteria. How do you spell that? How do you spell Uh, that? Do you know? Prescript. It's prescript. Prescript. Yeah. P-R-E-S-C-R-I-P. And then Mm -hmm. assist. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And And then you like that. I do. I do. I, it's taken me some getting used to because I felt like it did like, whoo, it did do something to my, what did it do? It made you, it made me bloated. And I think it was me getting used to the probiotic because now I think it's helping. So there, sometimes when you switch up kinds, Mm -hmm. um, you have that sort of, and sometimes people say for whatever reason, but sometimes people say it's like a die off of some bad bacteria that's in there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, So you might want to give it like about a month. And then if you're Mm -hmm. still having symptoms and just scrap it and move on to another one. But I think, you know, if you're just buying one off the shelf that only has one strain of bacteria, I would put it back and just look for ones that have kind of multiple strains. So, yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you, so, okay. So with the D3, um, Mm -hmm. what, what is it? connected to cancer so much that you feel like you need that. And then with the uh, Omega, cause I think we kind of quickly went over that just so that it kind of really yeah. implants into, you know, everyone's mind why these are important. Okay. Well, D3 has been studied and shown to, um, it's necessary for cell for normal cell growth. So a cancer or, ab- or abnormal cells. And it's also been studied to be anti-angiogenic. And in fact, one um, study showed that it, it can decrease cancer risk by up to 50% for certain types of cancer. So D3 is, and again, most of us are deficient in it because it comes from the sun. That's the main source. 
And most of us in our modern day world are inside. We don't spend enough time getting natural sunlight. Um, So that's important. And then omega-3s are just super anti-inflammatory. And again, cancer is stemmed from inflammation. Um, And when we're eating too many omega-6s in our diet, we're getting super inflamed. So that helps to offset the inflammation that's caused by our diet and from getting too many omega-6s. Okay, so that's what it is about the omega-6 is because it causes inflammation. Yes. Got it. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Kim, there was something that you wanted to talk about with folic acid, right? Something that uh, I know that moms need to know, especially if they're pregnant or during that time frame of their life. So can you share with us what that was? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is really important, probably, especially for your audience. I think you probably have lots of moms who are, uh, you know, maybe looking to, to continue their family or maybe become pregnant. Um And it actually applies to everybody in general. So here's the big deal. Um, When women are expecting or are thinking about conceiving, doctors will often recommend that they start taking folic acid. There's truth to that, and there is some harm to that um, information as well. Um, And it's becoming more mainstream information, but this is an important message. So um, the reason why doctors recommend folic acid is because when a woman is pregnant, um, if they are deficient in folate, their risk for having a baby with neural tube defects defects greatly increases. So neural tube defects are things like spina bifida or anencephaly where the brain hasn't developed. So it's anything with a brain and spinal cord. Those are neural tube defects. And it's been studied and shown that when women have adequate folate, the, the risk of those things happening really greatly decreases almost to zero. So it's important. However, what women want to look for when they're supplementing, they want to take folate. And one thing that they should look for typically is a methylated folate. Now, you can find these on Amazon if you just, um, you know, type in um, methylfolate or um, I can, um, is it okay if I recommend a brand? Yeah, multivitamin. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay. So one that they can easily find. Now, Amazon, I, you know, I shop there all the time. It has a wealth of information, um, you know, and you can find a lot of products. But if you're just going to like any store, maybe even your grocery store, Target, CVS, anything like that, you, you can look for Smarty Pants. And they are they're gummy vitamins. Um, but they do have a prenatal. They also have a women's, um, a men's, even kids. I give them to my kids. Um, those vitamins have a... Uh, a methylfolate in them and also a methylcobalamin, which is the B12. Now, let me explain to you why you want this methyl uh, folate. So you need, you know, you need to have enough folate in your system. However, folic acid is a synthetic vitamin. It's created in a laboratory. It is not what we find in nature. So if you're, if you're thinking about foods that are rich in folate, those are things like um, dark leafy greens, asparagus, beets, um, so things that you can get in your diet. Now, we often can be deficient um, in it. Usually, if you're eating like a well-rounded diet, most people get enough folate. But when you're expecting or trying to conceive, you need more you know, for that growing fetus. So that's why they ask you to supplement with it. Now, about more than 50% of the population has um, a genetic mutation called MTHFR. And that stands for a really, really long name. But basically, um, our bodies use methylation pathways um, to, it's basically a biochemist, 
biochemical process um, that we need for DNA repair, for um, cognitive thinking, muscular. It's 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 every it's what we need in our bodies for them to work correctly. Now, if you're taking a synthetic vitamin um, like folic acid, and if you have a breakdown in your methylation pathway, you can't adequately convert folic acid to folate. You can convert some of it, but maybe not all of it. So what happens is you may not actually be getting enough folate from that. And also the folic acid can build up to toxic levels within your system. And this is where the problem is. There have been studies that have correlated high levels of folic acid in the bloodstream with autism in babies and folic acid. And this is where, you know, my book comes into play. High folic level, folic acid levels in the bloodstream has a correlation to cancer as well. Things like um, prostate and colon cancer and actually a plethora of cancers. You do not want to have a whole lot of folic acid free floating in, in your bloodstream. And again, why does that happen that it's free floating? If you have a methylation defect, which again, more than 50% of the population has some form of this MTHFR. Um, if you have a heterozygous mutation, it means you got it from one parent. I, I happen to have one. Um, and we can talk about how I knew that in just a second. Um, if you have a homozygous mutation, that means you got it from both parents and you really have a hard time uh, methylating folic acid. So the way around it is just to take a pre-methylated folate. Um, and then you don't have to worry about converting it. It's already converted for you. And you'll get, you'll get the adequate folate you need and you don't have this excessive folic, synthetic folic acid floating around in your bloodstream. So again, women need to have adequate folate for their babies, but you don't want synthetic folate floating around. If you happen to have this defect, which you might, you will not know if you have it unless you have a blood test. Some people are symptomatic, um, but most people don't know. I didn't, I didn't know, and I ended up doing um, some genetic testing. So I did um, a test called 23andMe, and there are others on the market, but basically I sent in a saliva sample and it can tell you things like your heritage. So, for example, I found out that I was about 50% Finnish, which I, I knew. And, you know, it could tell you uh, all of those things. It, it basically looks at your DNA. But it can also, this particular test also tests for uh, mutations. So, um, I found out that I had a heterozygous mutation. Um, after my son was born, my second son, I had abnormally high levels of B12. Um, and this is going back to years and years and years before I had been um, vegetarian slash vegan and was supplementing with B12. And it happened to be the synthetic form, cyanocobalamin. Um, and for some reason, I just kept that in my supplement regimen. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I guess, not really even thinking that I didn't need it anymore after I started eating meat again. Well, lo and behold, I, I went in for blood work for something completely unrelated. And my um, B12 levels were so high and the obstetrician, or not my obstetrician, my just general practice doctor um, said, you know, everything looks great. And I said, well, what about this B12? Like, why is it three times higher than it should be? She wasn't alone. She's like, well, you're not deficient. So I did some research on my own. And um, that's when I decided to do the testing. And lo and behold, I do have a mutation that doesn't allow me to methylate synthetic forms of vitamins. So cyanocobalamin, um, that's the synthetic form of B12. Um, so I immediately stopped taking that and 
the smarty pants that I, I mentioned to you, the, um, you know, you can get prenatal or women's multivitamin. It does have the methylated forms of folate and methylated B12. Um, so it's just super important to look for those because really we don't, if just as we want to avoid processed foods, you know, you want to avoid processed vitamins. I mean, do you really want to be taking something that was created in a laboratory or do you want to take something that really comes from nature? Right. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, it okay. does. And I feel like, um, I've heard more and more people, um, talking about the is, so it's M, um, MF. THR. What, what is M- it again? Yeah. MTHFR. M- 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 yeah. I was just trying to explain that. Yeah. I don't know if it was to my yeah. mom or something, but a lot of people yeah. are, um, that know they have it are hesitant to vaccinate if they have that because of whatever is, I don't know. And I mean, I don't know what that is and that's all controversial, like all that stuff. But, um, I think there should probably be like, that should just be an automatic testing. I feel like, because I feel like that's coming up more and more as you know, um, you can't treat people the same, right. With, if they have Mm -hmm. this versus someone else that doesn't have this issue. And so, um, I'm glad that you brought that up because I didn't even realize you were going to talk about that, but it does seem like it's becoming more known. Um, so again, are we talking about like just doing a saliva test and would you just go to your doctor? Would it be your OB? Like if somebody was just, um, especially if they were pregnant, but even if they weren't pregnant and just kind of want to know, um, where would they, where would they go to kind of get this test? You can just order it online. Oh, so if okay. you just go to, there are others out there on the market, but the one I'm familiar with is 23andMe. So if you just Google 23andMe, it comes up. Now, when I did the test, it was $99. I'm, I think the price has gone up a little bit. So it might be over a hundred now. Um, so again, you know, you, you can do that. And I was curious and that's why I did it because I just, I wanted to understand what was happening with me. Um, but if you can't afford to do that, then just take the methylated forms of the vitamins and then you're, you know, you should be in the clear for that because, um, you know, in vaccinations, that's something that, you know, I can't even speak to about that. There are right. some things yeah. that, um, you know, you have to look out for one website I'll give you is, um, actually, I'm not sure if this is the website, but his name is Dr. Ben Lynch, mm. L Y N C H. He is like the methylation guru. He has a ton of articles on his website. I think if you just Google his name, I'm not sure exactly if that's okay, the name perfect. of his website. Um, but he really goes into depth. He has videos, he explains methylation. Um, uh, and he, I think maybe even does some consultations too, but he's like a, a big name in the, in the methylation field and trying to get that information in the forefront of people's yeah. minds. No, mm-hmm. that's great. Well, I'm, I'm glad we circled back because I know that you wanted to touch base on that. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And I feel like women do think they should just be taking folic acid. I know that I made sure I took folic acid. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to now hear this, it's kind of like, whoa. You know? <laughs> and so right, I think it's right. really important. Yeah, it's not meant to scare people at all because a lot of women have supplemented with it, but um, it's a slippery slope. So even if it doesn't affect the fetus, let's think about our future. You know, you don't want to develop cancer because of excessive synthetic vitamins in your in your. That's a toxin for so, sure. Yeah, no, yeah. That, no, I think yeah. that's good to know. So thank you for um, yeah, sure. you know touching base on that. Sure. And I'm going to have you, um, I'm going to give you a link to an article I wrote if you want to put that in the show notes and that it's just explaining better, um, why, you know, women who are conceiving should, uh, avoid folic acid. Perfect.
Okay, so we're going to move on. We're, let's just spend a really quick amount of time with environmental toxins. If yeah. you could tell everyone something that they could use in their house instead of like a harmful chemical, what would you say they that would be like a great alternative to use for cleaning the house? Okay, I love this one because it's so easy. So um, I just bought like one of those like spray bottles like at the dollar store. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I add um, equal parts water and white vinegar. So like, you know, two cups of water, two cups of white vinegar, and then I put in some essential oils. So whatever like scent you, that's to give it a a better scent. (laughs) So maybe something like lavender or eucalyptus, put it in a spray bottle, shake it up. You can sanitize anything with that. You can sanitize your kitchen. You can even sanitize your toilets with Mm, that. That's great. So yeah. And so it's so, so, so cheap. You can get those huge jugs of vinegar at Costco, you know, they last forever. and just with, I don't know, like 15 to 20 drops of essential oil, just however much you, you want to make it, um, you know, smell better. But it also that's a very natural way of deodorizing yeah. your home. Um, so I just I like to do that. I think it's so easy and it's not harmful. And I think, you know, when things are harmful, when it, it irritate your lungs, when you're oh, spraying yeah. in your bathroom yeah. or you're getting you know? a headache soon yeah. after you spray. Yes, that's right. That's right. Exactly. So it's just something that's super easy to do. Um, you know, as far as cosmetics go, if you can look for things that are non-toxic, there are a lot of lines out there that are non-toxic um, or even doing so- something as simple as like cleansing your face with like uh, uh, coconut oil or jojoba oil, doing oil cleansing, um, even moisturizing with that. Um, just trying to get away from as many fragrances and artificial substances as possible. Yeah. So y- do you wash your face with coconut oil? <laughs> I, you know what I used to, um, but it was clogging the pipe in my bathroom. So oh my God. yeah, I, I, that uh, would make sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, you know what I actually do though? And I really what? like it. I put some jojoba oil and honey. I squirt some oh, honey and just okay. mix it in on the palm of my hand and, wipe, and rub it on my face and let it sit there for just like a minute. And then, um, you know, wash it off with really hot water and yeah. it feels really good. It just yeah. I don't know, kind of tightens your skin, but it doesn't dry it out. And yeah, and it's it's relatively cheap, you know. Yeah, to do that too. the oil, the mm, yeah, the oil that you're talking about is it start with yeah. a J? Yes. Yeah. Yes, How does. do you spell that? Do you J-O-J-O-B-A. know? J O J O B A. Yeah. Okay. Because I think people could be like, "What a hobo like or George whatever." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, um, as we uh, you know, get closer to the end of the show, I wanted to talk about um you know, taking care of ourselves, like especially as moms, it's very hard to do self-care. Um, but I wanted to just chat about mammograms. Um, you know, as people start approaching their forties, I feel like, uh, this is like a catch 22. I feel like there's people that are like, I don't want to do mammograms. Like mammograms don't even catch like cancer. Um, or there's so many false positives or is it actually doing damage by doing the mammogram? Um, and so I, I'm just curious, like what your experience has been and and what you've learned um, through all of this, um, you know, your research uh, about mammograms and whatnot. And I did want to say really quick, too, is um, I have an acupuncturist and she's Chinese and um, she was just saying that overall American um, American breasts are different than, say, Chinese or probably Asian. Asian breasts are like more small and really tight and more Americans are more, uh, you know, loose and kind of like fatty. You know, you and I were mm-hmm. talking about that. And she was just saying that mammograms are good for that. 
um, where ultrasounds are good for the Asian breasts. And so I just thought that was really interesting because, you know, she's more of a natural, you know, thinker in, in regards to what to do. But she was saying for Americans, she actually thinks that the mammogram is good. So I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of interesting. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this as we close. Sure. It, and that is very interesting. And and you're right. Um, I, th- I think in general, if you think about the you know Asian populations versus American populations, uh, Americans tend to be more overweight, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, and have mm-hmm. and and you don't have to be overweight to have fatty breast tissue, but typically that is the case. Um, now, ultrasounds may not be covered by insurance, although they are they can be better for denser breast tissue, like you're saying. Right. So mammograms do are better if you do have fattier um, breast tissue because the fattier tissue is easier to see through on a mammogram. So let me go backwards just a little bit. Um, This is a very, very personal decision that you have to make with your doctor. Um, And depending on the organization you look at, some of them suggest beginning mammograms yearly at age 40. Some suggest after 45. And even some suggest after the age of 50 and possibly even doing it only every two years. You have to consider your history. Um, If you do have a strong family history, I think it's wise to at least get a screening mammogram at age 40. Um, And really, probably for everyone, it's not bad to have a screening mammogram at age 40. Now, this comes with one caveat. A lot of younger women in 40 is considered on the younger end. A lot of younger women have denser breast tissue. And as we age, they become less dense. So because your breast tissue could be denser, there is a, a higher chance of getting a false positive result, which means, and you and I were talking off the air, I actually had my first one at age 36. It was just something that my gynecologist wanted me to do as a screening at that time. And I did have a false positive and had to go back for another mammogram. And they were thinking about doing a biopsy, but then they kind of determined that it, it was not, you know, anything suspicious. So the likelihood of you going back. And I will tell you that most of my friends have had a false positive, you know, and like I said, I'm 43 and I'm talking about my friends from high school. So they're at about the same age as me, Mm -hmm. um, have had to go back. And I actually can't even think of one that didn't have to go back. So, and that's likely because of the breast density at that age. Um, and that's okay. And it's, of course you want the reassurance of going back, but do you want to do that every year? you know, it's, that's something to consider. Now, once they have your, um, you know, pictures of your breast tissue on file, they can go from that. So if you do choose to go back the next year, they can likely compare the two. And if there hasn't been a difference, they probably won't make you go back for a second opinion. Um, but it's, it is a very personal decision. I personally had one, like I said, at 36. I had one last year. I was, um, and I was almost 42 then. I was breastfeeding at the age of 40, so didn't go then. Mine last year was completely normal, and I've chosen not to get one this year. I probably will go next year. Now, some people might say, oh, that's playing Russian roulette. It depends on a lot of things. It depends on your lifestyle. What is your diet like right now? Right. Mm-hmm. What is, yeah. yeah. What is your family history? Do you have very dense breasts? Um, now family history, given that I will say that 90 to 95% of cancers have nothing to do with genetic background, 99, 90 to 95% of cancers 
have to do with lifestyle, nutrition, and all that kind of thing. Now, if you have the BRCA gene, that's something different, you know, and if you don't know if you have that, you could be tested, you know, so if like your mother had breast cancer, or her mother, or your aunts, you know, there could be a likelihood of that you have that gene. But if you don't have that gene, you're really not at any greater risk for developing breast cancer, even if your mother, you know, had breast cancer or your grandmother had breast cancer. Now, if your lifestyle is the same as your mother, if you're eating a similar diet, if you're both overweight, if you both drink alcohol um, regularly, uh, then your lifestyle could contribute to development of, of cancer. So that's, it's just something to consider. So again, it's a very, very personal choice. I think it's good to have an initial screening just so you know what you're looking at. And I think you, off the air, you mentioned to me that mm-hmm. you had a friend yeah. um, who went for her first one and they found cancer. Right. So you just, you, 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 you don't know. know. Mm-hmm. Right. But one thing I will say is that for some reason, having very dense breasts um, is a risk factor in the development of cancer. Now, most, like I said, most young people do have more density as you get older, if you're postmenopausal and you still have dense breasts, that's a much greater concern than if you are younger. So you want to be looking for postmenopausal. So what are some things that can decrease density? You know, if it's something that's lifestyle, so much of the things we already talked about, it's things like increasing your fiber, increasing your vegetables, drinking more water, supplementing with a vitamin D. Um, one is uh, curcumin, turmeric, curcumin. It's something I supplement with. It's very, very anti-inflammatory, shown to um, turn off cancer. So that's something that can also decrease breast density, Um, avoiding weight gain. Um, Also, if you don't have to be on hormonal birth control, getting off of that, um, just because that does um, increase your risk for breast density and can also give you a slight edge towards um, development of breast cancer. So um, if you don't have to be on the pill, now, I will tell you, I was on the pill for 15 years, <laughs> but right. I don't feel like, but now I'm off of it. And I don't feel like that increased my chances. Mm-hmm. And especially the modern day pills are lower in estrogen. You don't have to be quite as concerned. Um, but just overall, creating a very healthy lifestyle, um, filling your body with anti-inflammatory foods, trying to detoxify with things like exercise and drinking lots of water, that's also going to decrease your chances um, for developing cancer. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about the um, cumin and the turmeric. Are you are you saying that's a supplement that you take? Yeah, or? turmeric, okay. curcumin. Curcumin, oh, curcumin is the active is the oh. active thing in turmeric. So the oh, turmeric is the I spice. See. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so I actually do supplement with it. I take um, a daily turmeric curcumin supplement. Okay, um, and so that is something that is not only anti-inflammatory in the case of, you know, prevention of cancer, but it also has been studied um, to help with joint pain. And it rivals things like um, celecoxib, which is like um, uh, Celebrex that people take for arthritis, for arthritic oh, pain. Oh, I see. So it can really, really help in many, okay. in many ways. So it's, it is something that um, is, do, is not a bad thing to supplement with. Do you buy that on Amazon? I do. Yeah. Okay. And I look for ones that have a um, black pepper extract. And a lot of the the better ones will have that because the black pepper extract um, helps to helps with the absorption. Okay. Is there a brand that you really like? You know what? I can't, I honestly, I'm not even sure what I'm taking off the top of oh, my head. That's okay. So just look for black pepper extract. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, Amazon has a multitude of them. Okay. Perfect. I love Amazon. <laughs> I know. It's so great. Um, so Kim, we're 
at the end of the show, yeah. really quick, I just wanted to ask you if someone is going through chemo um, and radiation or or either one or both, um, is there something that they could be taking that you feel like could really help? I, you know, I know it's hard to balance out radiation and chemo because it's just like wiping out everything. Um, but is there something that you would say, you know what, if you can try to get this in your system, this would be really beneficial? Yeah. Um, so one, we just talked about the turmeric curcumin. I would start supplementing with that right away. Um, vitamin C is, is one, and you can take it in very high doses. Even that's been shown to help these help the effects of chemotherapy and actually help them to work better. Mm. So vitamin C, some people get it intravenously. Yeah. You can Mm -hmm. ask your physician about that. Um, but even the only side effect of taking too much vitamin C is that it could cause like loose stool so that you don't really, you -hmm. you don't have to worry about taking, you know, too much of it. Um, we talked about, those anti-angiogenic foods, just like begin today, upping your veggie intake, um, looking at things like you know, increasing your water a lot, and especially mm. when you're going through something like chemo, yeah. um, that is really depleting. So you want to just really, really increase your water, add some of that Himalayan sea salt, um, adding things like the grass-fed beef liver that we talked about. There have been some studies that have shown that intermittent, intermittent fasting can help or even fasting in general. If you're going to do a, an all-out fast, you have to make sure you're consulting your physician. Um, but when your body isn't working on digesting, it can work on everything else. So if you can e- even implementing some in- intermittent fasting, like you know, fasting for 12 to 14 to 16 hours, um, and it, again, it depends on how you feel. You right. know, you probably yeah, you be sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could be yeah. very sick. But mm-hmm. and also there have been studies that have shown that a ketogenic diet can also help um, with that. Um, with cancer recovery. Um, and so that would be, again, just like lowering your carbohydrate load. Um, again, carbohydrates can be super inflammatory. So upping your healing fats like avocado yeah. oil and coconut and, and such. Um, and again, with that, you know, if you're keto, you want to make sure that you are keeping those vegetables there, the non-starchy. Yeah you know, green vegetables, but those have also been shown to help. There's a lot of research out there on just naturopathic adjuvants or adjuncts to, um, chemotherapy that can help even things like juicing and essential oils, something that for people to consider looking into, um, you know, again, you want to, if you're going through treatment, of course you have to run it by your physician. You don't want to do something that's going to jeopardize your, um, health or, you know, just your strength, but there are things that you can supplement with and just making sure you're just making your diet as nutrient dense as possible. That's only going to help. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I think it's so overwhelming when people are just going through all of that. So just to have like a handful of things that they could do, depending on how well they feel, I think will be helpful. So um, Kim, as we wrap up, where can people find you on social media and your website um, uh, to or to buy your book? Okay. So uh, my book is titled 360 Health, Your Guide to Cancer Prevention, Healing Foods, and Total Body Wellness. And that's available on Amazon. Um, You can get it in uh, paperback or Kindle. And my website is kimmaravich.com, K-I-M-M-A-R-A-V-I-C-H.com. I have a blog there um, that, you know, I write in a couple times a week. So you can take a look at some articles there. Um, I'm on, I have a Facebook writer page. It's just um, kimfacebook.com, kimmaravichhealthwriter. Um, Instagram is just at Kim 360 health. Awesome. Well, Kim, I appreciate you coming on the show today and just kind of sharing your knowledge and your wisdom on all of this. And I really hope that, you know, moms can just 
have a few things that they can take away or go back and listen to this and just, you know, get the little nuggets to grab so that, you know, they can just slowly start changing things for the good for their health and taking care of themselves. Awesome. I hope it was helpful for people. If you have not subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list, make sure to do that. Why? Because every episode will show up in your email and that way you won't forget. So for me, sometimes I just forget that there's even podcasts happening and then I see it in my email and I'm like, oh yes. And then I can see the show notes and see what it's about and all the contact information about the guests. So make sure you do that. If you are looking at it on your phone, themominspiredshow.com, You're just going to scroll all the way to the bottom and click subscribe. You just put your name and your email in and you will be all set. All right, you guys, I'll see you next week. 